Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. We did not do our names last time. We didn't? We didn't, no. We did not announce ourselves to the world. Uh, I think we got distracted by the fact that we were doing a Gen Con episode and so we were like you know joking around about how we were you know not holding to our mission statement of doing a review under 30 minutes and instead it was going to be like oh who knows how long <laughs> right serious digression <laughs> and not about in one game it was about like eight true yeah, yeah we didn't have time to get to the nitty-gritty I, like what our I names are <laughs> we'll see you know maybe maybe our listeners can like weigh in on their opinions on this but i kind of feel like after 100 episodes uh and nobody's paying us for this we can do whatever we want uh yeah, totally. Ha <laughs> 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 I don't know why we haven't been doing that from the beginning. For real, I guess we decided this was what we wanted to do. Okay. Well, Maybe not anymore though. Else. I don't know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are back after only one week after promising that we uh probably wouldn't be back that that soon. Uh because we found out that Simon, cool mini or not, a a, a publisher that we have talked about many times on this podcast. It has a Kickstarter out for Massive Darkness 2 Hellscape, which is a sequel to a game that we reviewed, I think it was like our 18th episode or something, it was pretty early on, uh, Massive Darkness, the first Massive Darkness that came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason and I decided that we would take a look at this because they have a demo up on Tabletop Simulator that you can check out if you want to see how it plays. And we decided we'd take a look at it and see how it compares to Massive Darkness 1, a game that we found fun (laughs) with some yeah with some caveats you know like it was like okay it's fun but it's pretty superficial it's pretty paper thin like you know it's not a a very thinky game it's very much a throw a bunch of dice and maybe watch things die or maybe get killed sort of game um Mm -hmm. and that's about it right and and it was we we compared it to diablo right in that you were like you know just like steamrolling through this dungeon and just accumulating yep. a ton of junk and every now and then you'd find something of value within that pile of junk and you'd put it on and you'd use it you know yep hack and, and slice grab the loot yeah and and we kind of came to the conclusion that that's fun but that's about as far as it goes like it, you know like it's not gonna knock anybody's socks off as some right, sort of like yeah. you know brand new revelation in board gaming or anything like that right and in particular i had tried the campaign mode and I had some serious reservations about the campaign mode as being any kind of fun. Right, yeah. Um, Massive Darkness 2 uh, is basically making the claim that it has listened to a lot of the feedback from Massive Darkness 1 and that they are improving some of the parts of the game that that there were complaints about the first time around. One of those things is the campaign, although in Massive Darkness 2 uh, that appears to be in a completely separate expansion for the the base game uh so massive darkness 2 appears to be essentially like the base game is just what we were saying the best part of massive darkness 1 was which was just playing every single scenario as a one-off and not trying to string together some like you know campaign with persistence in terms of like you know character xp and character skills and gear and stuff like that you always start from scratch right like a randomly generated dungeon yeah yeah kind of yeah sort of like that like a rogue like or whatever um and and so what we played of massive darkness 2 on on tabletop simulator was exactly that it was just like one one off uh where you know we started off with two characters and we worked our way through the dungeon and fought a boss at the end after fighting a bunch of mobs on the way there and everything yep yep um and i I don't know where to start with this like do we talk about the differences that we found between this and the other game 
Um, um, well, why don't we start with just our impressions of this game, and then we can talk about how it relates to the other one. Okay. What's your impression, Jason? Uh, well, I mean, I'll put it this way. So, uh, based on my experience with the first Massive Darkness, when I found out they were coming out with a second Massive Darkness Kickstarter, I was more than happy to just ignore it and let it go on by. <laughs> but after playing it, now I'm I'm seriously reconsidering that position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I get it. You know, I, I get it. Um, it, it, it's captured my attention again, you know, in yeah. a way that the first one also captured my attention based on a promise, you know, that the promise of the first campaign, the first massive darkness campaign was, Hey, this is a, a cool, fun, you know, dungeon crawl that at a time when I think like we weren't completely drowning in dungeon crawls, uh, especially ones that were promising to have a campaign, uh, you know, like, like that was something that I really wanted. And now... Mm-hmm. Like you, I was like, oh, God, you know, like Massive Darkness was in many ways sort of a disappointment or a letdown for me because it didn't it did not fulfill the promises of being a good campaign style game for me. Right. Um, and so, you know, I've already gotten rid of my copy, actually. I like I sold it like about a year ago. And, uh, you know, I felt like I'd gotten all the play I was going to get out of it by just playing it um, as a one off over and over and over again. And like, you know, I got rid of it. Um and so that kind of led me to also just kind of want to discount this as like something that was just not, you know, not going to be anything worth really paying attention for. Definitely not something that I felt just hearing about it was going to be worth spending over $100 on. Um, but when we found out there was the demo, we played it. And it was fun. You know, like yeah. like I came away from last night being like, okay, yeah, there are definitely some things about this game that they have improved. Um, you know, among yeah, those sure. things were like like the the enemy variation, right? Like in the first game, the enemies got kind of boring because it's like you're just constantly fighting the same four groups of troglodytes, orcs, goblins, and dwarves, right? And yeah. they're Unless all you got a, like a lot of the Kickstarter stuff. You could throw some other things in there, but you could. But I think the base we talked game about. Just came with a handful. Yeah, and I and I think we talked about on the first podcast that um or, you know like the podcast about the first game that the 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 enemies didn't feel all that different from each other despite yeah. the fact that they were different <clears throat> models or whatever right like yeah no like maybe the goblins were a little bit more ranged in nature than some other classes or whatever but like ultimately it felt like you were basically just they were all just punching bags or whatever like you know roaming through a dungeon and. It didn't really matter that they were differentiated on the card or that the, the models were differentiated a bit because ultimately they didn't really have unique abilities to the point where it felt, you know, um, drastically different than, than each mm-hmm. other, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and in this game, there's a wider variety of enemies in the base game. Um, I think that they're more interesting types of enemies than in the base game. You know, now we're looking at like skeletons and like, you know, undead, you know, like monstrosities demons yeah (laughs) imps yeah all kinds of different things that i think they're just like they're they're just more interesting aesthetically um but also the abilities and the behavior of the enemies is a little bit more varied uh relative to each other than they were in massive darkness one and i think that's one thing that makes this game a little bit more interesting than the previous game yeah so in particular i don't remember if this is actually in massive darkness one but those uh, whenever you roll the the black monster dice and the claw mechanic, is that in the first game? No. Um. So that's another thing is that they added this monster die mechanic to this game, where anytime you're attacking a monster, if it has minions within the mob, it has an opportunity to roll 
these black dice that they're they're calling monster dice, and they they will do a, a sometimes unblockable damage to you as retaliation. Um, but also uh, another icon can show up that activates like sort of bespoke abilities on the character's card. Uh, yeah. You know, and and sometimes it's only when it's defending. Sometimes it's only when it's attacking. Um, you know, and and so, but but they're all different, and they all affect things differently, and so. Like I feel like that's a cool thematic element that they added here. Mm-hmm, for sure. I saw I saw some complaints about like um, on some message boards that like it doesn't make thematic sense that a melee mob would be able to retaliate against you know a ranged attack, which it can. Yeah. Um, and I guess the the argument there is that you don't really know thematically what the minions have, and they're the ones that are using the black dice, right? Because um, oh, yeah. thematically, the the main boss monster out of that mob, whatever they call it, right, the leader, um, yeah. has the the gear that 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 mob is carrying. So you know, but when I looked at it, I was just like, whatever. Like they're throwing rocks or poop or something like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it last night when we were playing that it didn't make sense that like I, if I weren't standing in the same spot that they wouldn't be able to hit me. Right. You know, like I thought about that, and that, but at the end of the day, I was like, whatever. It's a equalizing mechanic. I think. Yeah, exactly. It's a balance mechanic, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it works, you know, like, it, it makes attacking um, dangerous, right? And, and you have to think about who's going to go up and attack first. Oh, for uh, sure. I mean, these mobs are not pushovers. <laughs> sometimes they are, sometimes they are. Um, well, it depends. I mean, we also were playing it a little wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, we yeah, we, we maybe With your cheated. character in particular. But, you know, I played correctly earlier today. I went back in and did a, a, a solo game with the rogue, um, and it was still pretty easy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I I died twice. Right, but you were playing the wizard, and the wizard is apparently like a glass cannon. Like you know, like you Very really much. easy to get killed, especially like early game before you've gotten any sort of like armor mm-hmm. or anything like that. You know, like better. And armor. you came real close to die. Did you ever die? No, but I did come real close. You're right. Yeah. My rogue today did too. I can't got down to one health at one point, but then there's all kinds yeah. of different recovery options. So you know, it was um not that hard to get back up. But sure. let's talk. I mean, my point being that it's not it, it like. In most cases, you're not just going to roll in there and steamroll over the things. Yeah, you know what? We would have gotten a game over if I hadn't done enough damage to the boss at the very end to kill it before oh, yeah. the next round started because we had run out of the revive tokens and you were down again. So, yeah, I mean, like right. it definitely a challenge. Um, even with us cheating a little bit, it was still a challenge. Um, I did find it pretty easy with the rogue by myself today, but when we were playing two player with a barbarian and the uh, the wizard. Uh, we definitely had a bit of a challenge there, and you know, there's still some, there's still some randomness to it. You know, like there's still dice, there's still card draw, there's still, you know, like you may not get useful items the first couple rounds or whatever, and so you're gonna have a rough round where maybe like somebody goes down and you lose one of your extra lives. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened to us last night. Whereas like earlier when I played with the rogue, I got fully geared up within like two rounds, and I was just like, okay, well now <laughs> I'm a killing machine. Also, guess what? I'm invincible. So like yeah. I was able to just like you know rush the whole dungeon and nothing. Could touch me and i was just slitting everything's throat which is its own type of fun you know um <laughs> sure yeah yeah um i feel like that happened a little bit last night too like you got you got kind of lucky with the um it's true yeah got the, the golden for... axe and everything so yeah let's talk about the gear right because that was another complaint that we had the first time around i don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast but a lot of the gear in the first massive darkness it felt like you were getting repeats of the same gear frequently and it felt like most of the gear that you were pulling out of the decks was like just junk you know like it wasn't it was very yeah, like only very marginally useful yeah or not useful right like it was wasn't as good as what you had often like the moment you got one upgrade from a starting a piece of equipment you were never really getting anything that was obviously better even situationally um in massive mm-hmm. darkness one i, I feel yeah. like 
when I've played this game the two times, I'm always having to make some, not necessarily the hardest decisions in the world, but making some not easy decisions about what gear to equip that I'm getting and what gear to like keep in the backpack, you know, um, because there are more meaningful differences between the gears that you're the gears, the different types the of gear that you're getting. Um, yeah, I guess gear is already plural, uh, but uh, there's already more meaningful difference between the gear that you're getting. And also um, I was seeing fewer repeats um, within the game that the, the mm-hmm. new one, Massive Darkness 2. We didn't see yeah. any repeats last night, I don't think. But when I was yeah, playing earlier, no, I saw two. I saw the well, like one Scepter came up twice and, and like a crossbow or something like that came up twice. But that's still... I feel like that's still less repetition than we were seeing out of Massive Darkness 1. So, I mean, like, again, like, you know, yeah. we've, we've got a little bit more variety and a little bit more meaningful differences between the enemies, a little bit more variety, a little bit more meaningful differences between the gear. That already mm-hmm. makes the game a little bit more interesting as far as a Diablo-esque game goes. Yeah, I was very, very pleased with the amount of variety that there was in the items that were turning up. And I think the treasure mechanic was actually, I mean, at the time I thought it was a little weird because sort of... It feels a bit convoluted. Yeah, I mean, there's these treasure tokens and then there's treasure chests and they work differently. And um, But the treasure token thing I actually think is kind of interesting because it, it contains just like random, uh, like common treasures, rare treasures, and then epic treasures occasionally. And the the number of tokens for each grouping is, is exponentially smaller. Um, so if you get an epic weapon, it's like really an off chance and sort of, I think, makes it more exciting if you happen to pull one out of there. It's like you actually found, whoa, this like one of a kind item in this bag of otherwise, you know, useful but not spectacular stuff. Yeah. Um, the thing that I thought was a little strange was having to put the tokens like back in yeah, the bag after yeah. you pulled them. I was going to yeah. say that after, if you didn't mention it, was that. Usually when you've got a bag like that in a lot of games, right, and you're pulling tokens out of a bag, and this is the way the rogue works, actually, like, um, and we'll get to that when we talk about the differences between the classes, but um, you keep things out of the bag so that there becomes, like, an increasingly high chance that you're going to get the thing that's left in the bag, you know? Right, yeah. But I don't, I, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, like, it's like, okay, yeah, there's now 22 tokens in the bag. But you always have the exact same. You know, the probability is always the same. Is always the same that you're going to yeah. pull something out. Um, Although, speaking, as, as the dungeon goes on, like you do add more tokens to the you bag do, for... and also tokens that come out to go put to be put on a, a mob's card stays there until the mob is dead. Right. So there yeah. are periods of the game where, like you know, the the makeup of the bag is different than it was previously. But you know, by and large, putting the things back is always going to like reduce the chance that you're going to get that rare token or that epic token or whatever out of the bag yeah. because you have mm-hmm. to keep putting the commons back in. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still pretty exciting when you get lucky and you grab that rare card, like turn one or turn two or whatever. And now all of a sudden you're just like ripping throats out and everything. (laughs) Um, let's talk about the classes for a little bit, because I feel like this was at first blush on paper when I was just looking at it before we played it. The most meaningful difference that was obvious to me was that the classes now all have these like very bespoke specialized sort of mini games that they play to have to to carry out their own like sort of class mechanics essentially right yeah the original characters were not like this they were i mean they weren't all the same like they had certain specialties uh according to like whatever you know kind of class you were playing but uh as far as i remember there was not like specific like boards and no, cards no, 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 and whatever no. else to go for each individual right. thing. And this update really does that. Like if you decide to play like I played the wizard last night, if you decide to play the wizard, you get 
a board on which you can develop your spells and that you need to actively sort of manage in order to use your spells effectively. Yeah, the, the wizard's spell board, it's your amulet, I guess thematically is what it is, and you're storing your spells in there, has four slots on it for spells, and it's a rondel. Like, you know, when you take an action, it's free if the, the arrow is pointing at the space that contains the spell that you want to use, but if you want to move to a further spell down the track or around the around the track, because it's a circle, then it's going to cost yeah, you, you mana. You know, spend mana. Yeah, yep. yeah. In order to move the 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 pointer around there, like like a rondel, you know, like in any other games that use one. Yeah, and uh, so and and that's. I mean, I I remember I think playing some kind of spellcaster in the in the first one, and that was certainly not the way it worked. No, no. <laughs> in in the first game, it was everybody just had a pad of paper. And yep. they had, like, you know, their character card that had, like, their special ability and their shadow ability, you know, like, what they do when they're in shadow. Um, mm-hmm. And then they had a pad that gave them all of their other bonuses that you selected as you leveled up and everything. Yeah. So, um, and then your character, you played the Berserker yesterday. Yeah. Who has three um, stances. Um, yeah. Like, there's, like, an aggro stance, a protective stance, and sort of, like, a mobility stance. And you choose skills, um, you choose one skill at the beginning of the game, and then every time you level up, you get to choose another skill that's, like, you know, one level higher. And as the Berserker, you slot those skills into the stances. And so when you're in that stance, and it costs mana to change stances, but when you're in that stance, you can then spend um, uh, Rage or Blood Rage. It's basically wounds. Like, as you take wounds as the Berserker, uh, you're... you 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 move the health over to another pool and then that pool is a resource that you spend in order to activate your skills within the you know the stance that you're in basically so like for most yeah. of the game i was just like you know berserking like you know and, and doing the the aggro one blood rage i think is what it's called and and allowed me to like you know roll extra dice and, or it could have mm-hmm. allowed me to like you know re-roll a die um but if i changed to you know the middle one it would have allowed me to like get extra movement or if i moved to like you know the third one it allowed me to like taunt essentially and later on i like added like a heal there and everything so you're you're kind of managing which stance you're in and then like you then that allows you to you know increasingly do more types of things with that character um the rogue has like a bag that has a bunch of tokens in it and you blindly pull three of them out at the beginning of every round and they'll give you like a bonus to movement or allow you to like you know roll an extra yellow die on an attack or it might just poison your attack so now you're adding like a poison counter to whatever enemy you're fighting and with every action, you have to choose one of those tokens to apply, and you flip it over. And if it applies to the type of action you're doing, then, you know, like, you get that bonus. But, like, you know, like, say I'm only attacking this turn, and I only pull movement counters, that can happen, and then those things are completely worthless, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So there's a yeah. little bit of, like, a, a luck element to that one, but also, like, kind of planning your turn out a little bit in terms of, like, doing things in the right order and applying those tokens in the right order. Not a brain burner by any means, but it, you definitely have to put a little bit more thought into what you're doing and in what order you're going to do it than you did in the first game. Yeah. So all the characters, I mean, those are the ones we played, but yeah, all more. the characters have their own sort of mechanics. Um, I, in particular, was, uh, I I applaud the direction that they're trying to go in, like making each character feel really unique yeah. and have its own set of mechanics. Um, I, the one that I played yesterday didn't feel particularly fun to play. Um, it actually felt pretty limiting, which I guess is kind of the point. Like, they don't, as a spellcaster, they don't want you to get, like, a really powerful spell and then Fireball. just, like, cast it all the time. Fireball. Yeah, exactly. Fireball. Um, and this system definitely prevents that because you have to make, you know, if you want to do that, you have to spend, like, a ton of mana in order to get your little rondel back around to that particular spell instead of casting whatever it happens to be on at that point and moving it sort of naturally that way. So I get the intention behind it, but it felt super unfun um, because... I, for one thing, I always had to take an action to get more mana. 
um, as opposed to like moving or, you know, picking up stuff or fighting even. Um, and so that, that automatically took an action because if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be able to do anything else. Um, and then having to sort of manage, it was like a little math game trying to like calculate exactly how much mana I would need to get to the appropriate spell that I needed to do what I wanted to do. Um, so a lot of times it felt like I was pretty useless because my spell wand, my spell amulet thing was on the other side of the the board from where I wanted it to be um, and was on something relatively useless for that moment in time. Yeah. And I pretty much stayed in Blood Rage mode the whole game because extra damage seems good, right? And I think I had, like, picked up some other axe or something. There was some other ability that allowed me to, like, get health back when I would do damage or kill some people or something like that. And it really undermined the ability that I had in my third stance where I was going to heal if I was in that stance. So why change? Mm. Um, (laughs) You know, so, yeah, I mean, like, it felt unimpactful for me. and, And for you, it was just sort of like a mild frustration, really. Um, and when I played as the rogue, it was mildly interesting to try to like, you know, allot the tokens to wherever I wanted to put them. And I think like one time it maybe came in handy. Like when I was fighting the boss, I poisoned it, but, um, you know, like that's, that's cool. Uh, it helped me kill it, <laughs> but, uh, ultimately it just didn't feel like as big of a difference as I was hoping for. You know, I was hoping for right. something as impactful as like the, the asymmetry in vast, for instance, you know, where like when you're playing as right. the, when you're playing as the dragon, you're like, you know, doing this cube management game on your board. But if you're playing as the cave, you're literally building out a physical cave, like, you know, with tiles and, and laying them out in like a maze, like, you know, like pattern and everything like, like you're playing <laughs> yeah. crazily different games, you know, when you're doing that or even root, you know, like has a symmetry where what you're doing within those factions is very interesting. And, and everybody has their own little puzzle to, to try to work through and everything as they try to like, you know, um, you know, one up everybody else around you. But this felt pretty minimal in terms of like, you know, its impact on how the game played um, right. and and not necessarily something that made the game a lot more fun, you know, and and maybe the change with the oh, sorry, Go ahead. I, maybe the other classes change that, you know, like I was particularly interested in trying out the the ranger hunter type character because it's like sort of a push your luck mechanic with a deck of cards. Um, mm. And I, that, that wasn't in the demo, so I didn't get to try that. But, you know, from what we've played, it, it seems like we're not. You know, like, like I love the idea of that, of that, but we're not impressed with the results necessarily. Yeah. yeah. The change with the characters that I actually really liked and I think works pretty well is how the light and dark mechanic has changed. Yeah. So in the previous version, you, if you were in shadow, you basically had a different set of abilities or, or you had things an extra that you ability, could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas if you were in the light, you were just restricted to your like normal abilities or something like that. Um, in in this version, if you're in a shadow space, uh, you actually added uh, a, a one shadow die uh, to your attacks. Um, so, so you roll that with the other die that you would uh, dice that you would normally roll, and that can add, you know, it can add hits or or more mana or whatever else. Um, and then it can also show up as this this face icon that's sort of half black and half white, uh, which allows you to do your special shadow ability, which is on your character card. Um, and that shadow ability is, I mean, at least mine last night was actually pretty interesting, although I never got to use it because I didn't, um, I never rolled the face. That was the thing that healed me. Oh yeah, you, you, yeah, you did that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would have loved, liked to have used it, but I understand why it sort of is kind of rare. Um, I actually kind of appreciate the rarity of being able to use that ability, um, 
because otherwise I think it would just be sort of this game of, you know, uh, you know, playing hopscotch or whatever, trying to find like the, you know, a, a shadowed space in order to like get this, you know, extra booster. Yeah, I, I, uh, the shadow space does give you a boost, but it doesn't always give you that like, you know, superpower that you get. And we found with the boss fight that it benefited us to be in the light. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so unlike the first game where you're always just like, well, I guess I'll just always be in the dark because that's where I'm the best. Um, you know, at, there was a mechanic with the boss where if the boss found itself in the light at the beginning of its turn, it took damage and had to retreat. And so we were yeah. drawing it into the light in order to try to, you know, like burn it, burn it down faster. And that was effective. So we were just sort of like, well, that's better than probably what we're going to get out of our shadow diabilities. So let's mm-hmm. just go with that, you know? Um, right. Yeah. The, the boss mechanics or the wandering monster mechanics, I think overall were generally pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that I think was pretty cool. Like, that that was the most interesting thing about the first game, because, like, you know, I think we talked about, like, for example, like, the spider would, like, web you up and drag you with it and yeah, everything, yeah. you know? Um, so, I mean, like, the first game had... That was the the thing that had the most variation in it was how the roaming monsters worked in that game, and that tends to be the case here, too. But I think it looks even more interesting. Um, like, there's a lot going on with them, and, and um, you know, I, I would be excited to continue to explore more of those within this game. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, the other thing is there is an expansion that you can get with this this Kickstarter, Massive Darkness 2 Heavenfall, and that is the thing that adds campaign mode. The difference here, the big difference, is that it's not part of the base game. You know, in, in Massive Darkness 2, they promised us the campaign mode, and it was just kind of like this rule set that they baked into the base game, but it was garbage. You know, like, it was essentially <laughs> a campaign mode only in name, right? Because, like, it was basically just yeah. like, you know what? Just don't take as much XP. And that was their explanation for things. That way the game lasts longer, and you level up slower. That was essentially <laughs> right, yeah. it, you know? There was, like, slightly more to it than that, like, in terms of how you manage gear from, you know, campaign to campaign, or uh, level to level and everything, but that's mm-hmm. basically it. Now, with uh, Heavenfall, they're adding a bunch of content, but in addition to that content, they're adding five extra levels and the boards that come with those levels to level your characters up. More skills, like, deeper skills. They've got these, like, crossover skills. They've got a bunch of stuff to make leveling up and having, like, persistent characters with persistent levels and stuff like that more interesting. Now, this is all just something that I'm I'm looking at on paper and saying that looks good. I haven't been able to experience any of that obviously. It's not like they're right, sending yeah. us demo copies or anything, you know. Um no, but not. on paper, that looks good compared to the first game. That looks acceptable. That looks like something that I would be excited to try as a campaign mode game, right? Um mm-hmm. but, you know, having not played it, we can't say for sure whether or not it's going to be excellent in practice it's you know like 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 we just said you know those characters looked really cool the character differences they're they're bespoke games the mini games that you play for their mechanics and then in practice that was just sort of like eh, you know <laughs> i like the idea i'd necessarily don't necessarily feel like the execution is great you know um so maybe mm-hmm. this will be another one of those sort of situations with the campaign rules but on paper and just looking at what they've got on the kickstarter page i'd say that looks cool if i'm gonna back this and i'm not saying i am but were i to back this i think i would go in for the higher level pledge that comes with the campaign box because that looks like something that would make the game what i want out of a game like this sure yeah that makes perfect sense to me yeah um, and I think those might be all my thoughts on Massive Darkness 2. <laughs> well, and as also, far as the... we're almost at 
30 minutes. Yeah, I don't care anymore, you know, like, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys really, 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 really need us to keep it under 30 minutes exactly, you should write us and tell us just how and why that is so important to you, because if we go to 35, I feel like, close enough, you know, whatever. We need to come up with a new slogan. <laughs> yeah, we're not limited playtime anymore, or, uh, like, you know, a moderate amount of playtime. Kind of yeah. playtime. Yeah, moderate playtime. <laughs> whatever, I do what I want. Yeah, so, I, I don't know, did you come away from this convinced that you need it, Jason? convinced that i need it no um but it it also convinced me that like maybe i need it yeah (laughs) right instead of like no hell no i don't need that i I feel like i probably don't need it but i feel like if you are a person who looks at this and says that looks cool right and you don't have you're not drowning in co-op games you're not drowning in dungeon crawlers already you might want some sort of like you know on the lighter side of uh, uh, uh the lighter side of, of weight in terms of like you know a campaign style board game with you know like dungeon crawling elements to it and everything if that's who you are and you're looking at this and saying that looks kind of cool i wouldn't stop you from throwing money at this thing based on what we played last night it seemed pretty fun you know um yeah. and and i think that i think that they've done enough work here that i've seen to give them a second chance um but and I'm interested in this. It looks cool. I'm very curious. I'm I'm feeling that little tingle in my tummy that's like, maybe we need this. But <laughs> I also know I've got, like, four other dungeon crawlers on the way that we've backed over the last two years that are in various stages of delivery. And, um, or various stages of, you know, like, getting to delivery. And that makes it feel like, when would I have the time for this? And who would I, I mean, obviously I'd play this with my wife. But, I mean, like, you know, we're also going to play a number of other dungeon crawlers. And so for me specifically, I'm not sure it's worth 150 bucks. I guess it's 145 for the higher level pledge, but, um, but it looks pretty cool. (laughs) And for me who has no children and some disposable income, it's a, eh, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, you know, we've talked about like shelf space as a thing and, and just like, yeah, I don't know. Like that's the thing I don't have is shelf space. I probably would get it to the table if I had it because I get everything to the table. But I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows anymore? Yep, yep, yep. So anyway, <laughs> that's Massive Darkness Two. Looks cool. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll do an actual full, uh, experienced review in like a year or so when somebody has it in their hands and we can really try it for real with all the characters and more than one level and everything. But so far, it's just a first impression based on a demo they put on Tabletop Simulator. It seems like it might be mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, a thumb midway up. <laughs> yeah. Better than before. Seems like it might be okay. A step right, in the yeah. right direction. <laughs> right on yeah all right everybody if you'd like to get a hold of us and request something that you'd like us to cover uh because we're looking for ideas during these weird covid times where we can't get (laughs) together with other people and play competitive board games or you know like board games at all um (laughs) how would they do so jason Okay, so for board games in the time of COVID suggestions, uh, you can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. Yeah, we're basically in a point where 
anything we do has to be there has to be some sort of digital solution for it for us to really try it out and both be able to have informed opinions about it and, and be able to come and talk about it together like this otherwise you know we could always do something where we each talk about a different game that we've played on our own at home and everything but um yeah that's kind of where we're at right now and we don't really have a schedule anymore just when we have something to talk about we're probably going to put an episode <laughs> out there try to keep this train rolling a little bit um until everybody's vaccinated and keep wearing your mask out there please don't get me sick yeah likewise <laughs> yeah all right everybody thanks for listening we'll see you later <laughs> yep later all right bye <laughs> <laughs>